stakes is high. Mm, that's another song you can't get on any of the streaming services. You can't. That's, that's my... So, you put this song in, and this is how I know this marriage is going to work to the nth degree. Like I didn't already. But this beat, stakes is high, is legit. Let that let that ride just a little bit longer than you usually do, if you don't mind, Fiddy. This, this beat is legitimately one of yeah. my favorite ever. Like, if you were to say, Walker, pick top five beats ever... I'm going Dilla because he's my favorite producer of all time. But when he came out with this, yeah, and you know Dale Sol is going to treat it right. Yeah. Ah, oh, goodness gracious, I mean, I remember man. that was one of those first time I heard it, I loved it. Lost immediately. it. Immediately. So what I had to do the whole hindsight, go back and learn the game type of thing. When I came across this and then I wanted to download it, they don't have it, have it on yeah. Apple Music. You got to go to YouTube. At least that's been my experience in the I last I go to YouTube years. and play this song at least every couple months. You got to have I it. I have to hear it. You just got to make sure it's in the rotation of your yeah. of your everyday life, your at least monthly life. I appreciate that. And it applies to today. Because, man, Dilla, don't... We'll do a whole damn show on Dilla. And, and, like, the, I, and the theme of the song applies to today. It does. The stakes is high. The stakes With is everything high. going on in life, everything going on outside hey, of here. Steve. The stakes is high. You know, for your job, you know what the stakes is high. <laughs> right. Hey, LaMelo. Yeah. You know what the stakes is high. <laughs> 704-570-9610. You can text in the Garage Door Guru text line. People did like the How High beat. I feel like we might need to have another Hit intro. High. Hit him high. Excuse Bar. me. Well, excuse me. I said How High because I was using the Method Man ad lib, Get Him, and How High when that movie came out, which is, you know, just a classic. So that, that seems like uh, an excellent unemployment movie. Like, just watching How High, just having some of that stuff just on replay. That's what I was experiencing, getting to watch that on my quote-unquote COVID break. Mm -hmm. I I did have COVID, but then I was able to test negative. Company policy couldn't come back in. So that was kind of the peel behind uh, peeling back the curtain. Feel free, again, text in 704-570-9610. Let's continue to talk about the Carolina Panthers and what they can do differently from their performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers where they got dominated in the trenches, to what they can do against the Detroit Lions this weekend. Wes, what kind of adjustments would you like to see the Panthers make if they're going to have a chance to win? Well, I think the main thing is they need to come out and just have a game plan that's going to completely surprise uh, the Detroit Lions. We saw in Dan Campbell's comments, he basically said that Pittsburgh uh, gave teams the blueprint to stop the Panthers. That was what I talked about earlier in the week. I feel like that... The Steelers were on top of everything that the Panthers wanted to do. And, you know, we talked about the vanilla play calling uh, for this team and the vanilla game plans. And I just felt like that the Steelers were on top of everything. When they tried to the smoke passes out to the flat, they were on top of those. When mm-hmm. they tried to play action, dump out to the tight end in the flat, they were on top of that. And I think they just sold out against the run and said, listen, Sam Donald's going to have to beat us today. And he said that. Uh, Coach Campbell said that the Panthers want to play bully ball. And I think this is the perfect time for Wilkes to show that he can be versatile with the game plan. And they're going to have to trust Sam Darn, I feel like, this week because I think Detroit is going to score points. I think he's go- the Lions are going to put them in a position uh, to where they're going to have to ramp up the offense because Detroit, I think, is going to be putting it in the end zone. So I say all that to say the Panthers need to come out and throw on earlier downs. They need to take a couple shots early, try to get some big plays, uh, maybe not necessarily fall all the way into Detroit style as far as trying to score a lot of points. But I think that they just can't come out and expect just to be 
uh, ground and pound. I don't I don't think that's going to work this week. So, yeah, I think a lot of the adjustments that Carolina's going to have to make, yes, clearly they got to go with some schematic changes. You can always do a better job coaching on game day. But, Wes, a lot of the adjustments they're going to have to make is just basically being more physical at attack at the line of scrimmage. I mean, we've seen them do it before. Be more physical at the line of scrimmage, especially against Detroit, because – Their pass rush grade, despite having the number one overall pick and using that pick on Aiden Hutchinson, who's had a solid rookie year, it's not been fantastic, but had a solid rookie year. Detroit's pass rush isn't amazing towards the bottom of the league. Their coverage, not amazing, actually one of the worst in the league. So their run-stopping ability towards the bottom, their defense can certainly give up points. Their offense is great, no doubt about it, and they've been playing a lot better in the second half of the season that has transpired so far. But I I just I don't think that it's a flawed idea to come in still with a run-heavy scheme. If Detroit scores a lot of points, then of course you're going to have to trust Sam Darnold to try to pick up larger chunks of yards to try to get back in that game if Detroit does go off no doubt about it but I do think that a similar game plan as long as you execute a lot better can be successful against Detroit because their defense it's not as good as Pittsburgh's at least guys up front they're pass rushers they're not Alex Highsmith and they're not TJ Watt right now As, as good as Hutchinson is those aren't and don't the, forget big Casey Hampton in the middle. Yeah, well Hayward. Not I think. Hayward. You're going Lord. way back. You're Casey going back Hampton. in the day. Hayward. Yes. yes. No, and the, yes. the name the name resonates. <laughs> but no Hayward. In this the is middle. us hosting in 2005 right, during right, Pittsburgh's right. Uh, <laughs> Super Bowl run. But no, Casey yeah. Hayward. You're absolutely right about that. And so that line is going to be very different. I. I I think it's going to be more of the player adjustment, not necessarily Steve Wilkes adjustment when it's specific to defense. The other thing is, man, if CJ Henderson is healthy, then you're not going to have Keith Taylor out there. So CJ Henderson, as much as the problems that he's had this year, he's going to be better than Taylor was against Deontay Johnson. Right. And Deontay Johnson, like people I thought kind of got a little twisted. He's not a bad receiver. I know he doesn't have a touchdown catch this year, that's more so just kind of outlier stuff, bad quarterback, bad offense, right? Like Deontay Johnson is a good wide receiver in this league. I think there's going to be better matchup opposite of JC Horn. So it's really just the players being better at executing than it is overall. We got to come in with a completely different defensive scheme. Yeah, I think though the mentality, I know you talked about Detroit's defense and their rankings and they have not been very good. They've given up a lot of points in a lot of games. But I think it's something to be said when they come in and they kind of know what they're going to get. That puts a little extra funk in your step as far as just you feel a little bit more in control of what it is that you want to do. It's going to be very early. It's going to be very important early for the Panthers to see if they're going to have some success running the ball. But I think that, like I said, we know this is a copycat league. And I think Campbell, there's, I think there's a little bit of gamesmanship there, him saying that. I think they'll have them prepare for the Panthers to try to throw some different things at them. But I think that for the most part, the players know that the Panthers are going to try to run the ball. And the thing about it is they're not overly creative in running the ball. It's up the middle. It's inside the tackles. Yeah, right. They're going to try to out-physical you, and they know that. So I think that's going to be interesting to see, too. So, and, and you mentioned Dan Campbell. This is what he had to say about Carolina. Quote, this team has an identity. They're going to try and bully us, so we have to be able to absorb it and answer back. Mm-hmm. He pointed out the Pittsburgh Steelers for seeing the potential br- uh, blueprint for beating this team. 
which again, like we often talk about this being a copycat league and how when a team that has been performing well, either lately or all year long, and then they have a dud of a game that is absolutely going to be the next topic. Were they exposed? Did the defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator that stopped said strong unit either recently or throughout the year, did they expose how to stop them? And it's not like everybody has a Mike Tomlin. Dan Campbell, hey, credit for sure. Done an excellent job with Detroit, and a lot of coaching is getting guys to buy in. But Dan Campbell ain't Mike Tomlin yet. Yeah, I mean, Mike Tomlin has literally never had a season yet below 500 and might mess around and not do it again this year, which is crazy given how they started. They got a big-time win against Carolina, so they have a shot at not finishing below 500 once again. Detroit doesn't have Mike Tomlin, right? Now, Mm -hmm. they do have Ben Johnson, who's been an excellent play caller, but when we're talking about the defensive side of things, I think that's where it's really just the adjustments more so fall on the players for executing better. Offensively, that's where it's going to be interesting here um, with some of the adjustments they can make. Yeah, the, the, the Sam Darnold thing, when you're not running effectively, I think that's when they need to tap into, all right, Sam, let's see what you got. Because they stick with it way too much. And I think part of the problem is they fall into this trap where the margin of victory for the opposing team isn't huge, right? So I think with the coaching staff, with Steve Wilkes, with Ben McAdoo, they still feel like they can make up ground by running the football. Where let's say Detroit gets out to, I don't know, a 20-point lead. At that point, you have no option but to throw it. But it doesn't happen like that, right? So I wonder if... This coaching staff kind of is duped or baited into still thinking they can run the football, trying to do so, and then not trusting or just, you know, some of these dink and dunk passes and not letting Sam Darnold air it out a little bit more. I wonder if a bigger deficit Hmm. might force them to try to throw the football. more. Well, we just talked about it with Detroit and their turnaround and how during their uh, streak that they've been on lately, the defense has forced 12 turnovers. We know the Panthers have not turned it over in four of their five wins and haven't thrown an interception in any of their five wins. So we know that that's going to be a huge part of this game while this Detroit team lacks as far as just being stout and stopping you, but they do force turnovers. And that's going to be an important part of this game for Carolina because if you give an offense like this extra possessions, you know that's going to hurt you just as much as if they come out and shut down uh, your game plan early. Yeah, and so let's go back to a little bit more um, talking about the defense. Steve Wilkes was discussing their issues in run defense as it pertained to Pittsburgh. When you evaluate the tape, it was a lot of self-inflicted, you know, not playing with violent hands, playing too lateral, not getting vertical, not staying in our gaps, you know, all the little things that uh, we preach and emphasize each and every day that has shown the success previous. So going back to what we talked about before, the attention to details, uh, those are the things that we got back to today. Yeah, I think that kind of goes into my line of thinking, right? It's not necessarily such a huge different scheme. It's just these guys needing to get back to playing a lot better. And, you know, one of the guys that you can go to, there's a couple on defense. Derek Brown hasn't been nearly as dominant. You know, you can go back a couple of weeks ago against Seattle. Not a high grade for him. We haven't heard these big splash statement plays from a Derek Brown. We did have the sack shared with Frankie Louvu from Brian Burns, but other than that... They ended up giving Louvu full credit for so, that. So there you go. Yeah. So Brian Burns not even getting some of that credit. Now you're even wiping that away, even though he got in the backfield, sure. 
But what do you think about the lack of splash plays and effectiveness from the two better players on the defensive line in your first-round picks? Well, it's not what you want to see, obviously. I mean, in big games where you have to have it, you want these two to show their value the most. And I think that's the thing that is a little bit disheartening for Panther fans. And I think coming into this game, they want to see them bounce back. Now, this is a very good pass-blocking offensive I mean, run-blocking offensive line. Yeah. So as far as them being able to get to the quarterback, this should be a good matchup for Brian Burns to be able to make plays. But I think Detroit is going to come out as well, especially after seeing what the Steelers were able to do on the ground against this football team running for 156 yards. I think Detroit's game plan, see, that's the thing. And that's what we're talking about with this offense. Do you have a counter? So for Detroit, they're coming in here and they can run the mess out of the ball. But if the Panthers should decide that they're going to stand up on this day and stop it, then, hey, they can just go to golf in that passing game and they can make things happen out there to loosen the defense up and then go back to start running the football. The Panthers don't necessarily have that. No, I'm not going to say they don't necessarily. They don't have that because, as I said, I don't trust Sam Darnold if you put the game on his shoulders. And that's the thing that hurts the Panthers the most. If they come out and try to run the football, the Lions are stifling them. We pointed out the stat as far as on their third downs. They average eight and a half yards on those. Uh, the average yards to gain on their 11 mm-hmm. thirds down was eight and a half. So the key to the Panthers is keeping them behind the chains because Sam Donald's not going to beat you. So if you're able to do that, the Panthers don't oh, no, have bro. a counter, in my opinion, if they put the game on Donald. Whereas if the Lions come out and their run game gets stifled, then they'll just start pitching it around the yard. And that's the thing about the Lions. They're so balanced offensively. Tell us some of the keys to the game on the Garage Door Guru text line. 704-570-9610. Spence keeps texting. Walker, please don't put Keith Taylor on Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay, I won't. I'll do my best. They're just going to put J.C. Horn on, and then he'll keep him to zero catches for zero yards, and they might as well, he might as well just go stand on the sideline if he has to go against J.C. Horn. Totally agree. The bell was well-deserved. <laughs> or maybe he does what he did to Deontay Johnson and hold him to two catches for 12 yards. But uh, you would say that he blew up if that happened. That's what Wes would say. Panther Bo, he wrote in, what do you have to lose? Let Samuel L. Darnold sling it. Is his, What's his middle name? Do we know what his middle name is? Oh, I I don't know. I'll hunt it down. Um, let's get our research team on it. Are you, are you going to guess and no, say yeah, Eugene? No, no. Let's all go around the room and guess. All right, what his middle Sam name is Richard. Do- oh, damn it. <laughs> Wes, you just ruined the whole bit. <laughs> you just, you said that you were going to bleep on one of his ideas during the break, and you just did that to that take. As it was cooking in our producer's mind, hey, let's go around the room sorry, and take a Fitty, guess. I love you, Wes I'm said, sorry. nope, it's Richard. <laughs> I'm sorry. Get out of here. That is an awful, I'm sorry, awful I got segment. You. Well, I mean, I, I guess for what it's That's worth. That's what I was going to guess, too. I mean, way. he looks like a Richard. All right, at Sports Radio 927 WFNZ, Wesson Walker, keep it right here. And you can text in at 704 570 It's 
Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Share your thoughts on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. We'll get to those a little bit later on. I have some other topics to get to as well regarding the Carolina Panthers. Regarding Sesame Street characters, I want to ask the listeners about a Sesame Street character and how it might pertain to one of us here on this show. But before we do all of that, we have to talk about the Charlotte Hornets. They'll be playing the L.A. Clippers tonight. It's a late one, but we'll still be broadcasting it right here on 92.7 FM. And we appreciate Sam Farber, the voice of the Charlotte Hornets, for joining us to talk about those Charlotte Hornets. He's the play-by-play announcer for your local team. Sam, we appreciate the time, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Sunny and 75, as always, here in L.A., so uh, we're, we're, we're enjoying our time. Back home. While we can. Yeah. yeah. And now I know, Sam, I think Eric Collins was talking about how he's not the biggest fan of L.A. He actually likes Portland a little bit more so. I know oh. it is back home for you being in California. Do you like being in L.A.? Because you guys are going to be there for, like, what, six days? Yeah, yeah we are taking up residency here. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, personally, I'm a Bay Area guy, uh, born and bred, so I love it when we're in Northern California most, but I can't complain about being down here in Los Angeles. Uh, The weather's nice, and, you know, we much prefer to be home, obviously, for the holidays, but if I had to pick somewhere else, I guess L.A. would be near the top of the list. All right, so the Hornets are going to be playing not only the Clippers, but the Lakers as well, consecutively. They did just come off of a victory against the Sacramento Kings, the second night of a back-to-back, 125-119. to Sam, i got to tell you, watching this game and looking at LaMelo Ball, his effect on the offense, Gordon Hayward coming up with a clutch bucket, It looked a lot more reminiscent of the last year, Charlotte Hornets, where the offense, it looked like everybody was more comfortable in their role. P.J. Washington didn't have to take 13, 17 shots. LaMelo was manning the offense in the fourth quarter coming in through or coming through big. Like, I just thought it looked a lot more like last year's team. What did you make of some of these guys coming back and how they looked relative to the 2021-22 season? I think it's spot on, and it's not just the last game against Sacramento. It's the last four games since LaMelo has returned, and maybe more specifically since LaMelo and Gordon have been teamed up together. If you you know look down at the stats, I know the record, there's only one win there, but consider the opposition. You know, Denver, Nikola Jokic had to have uh, a career night as an MVP uh, to get the win for Denver over the Hornets. Um, but Charlotte's played well. The last four games, in terms of points per game, the Hornets have been top five in the NBA, um, and, and so I think this team is really headed in a better direction, and, and while the record is certainly frustrating, I think we always have to bear in mind they have been beriddled with injuries simultaneously to several stars in a way that no other team has really dealt with. Other teams have had one guy out here and there, uh, but not had to deal with, uh, at times, all three of their top scorers uh, being out simultaneously. So uh, the Charlotte Hornets are in a bit of a hole because of that, but we still don't know exactly how good this team can be. Early signs are they can be pretty good and hopefully good enough to make up this cap. Now, Sam, I don't think LaMelo is ever going to stop messing with the wrist that he injured his rookie year. Like, even if he's fully healthy, he constantly goes to it. It worries me. And then he scores 20 points in the fourth quarter or something ridiculous. So I've learned to live with that. Gordon Hayward, though, also seems a little bit more comfortable than certainly he did with the injury that cost him a few games uh, most recently. How comfortable does Gordon Hayward look to you back out there on the court? He looks great. He looks great. And I think, you know, we, 
we all want to, you know, make ourselves, uh, you know, PhDs and doctors uh, as we diagnose players and when they should or should not be, you know, out there on the floor. And everyone on the team clearly wants their best players out there as much as possible. Um, but, you know, they're, they're human beings. And so when, when someone tells you they're hurt, they're hurt. And, uh, you know, Gordon was trying to, you know, grit his way through the injury. And, uh, you know, clearly it, it was it was more significant um, than anyone had, had previously realized. But right now he looks he looks tremendous out there. And the, the thing about Gordon is he just makes the correct play. Yeah, he can put himself in a position to take 15 to 20 shots a game, but I think he understands that oftentimes his best option is being a facilitator or being a distributor. Um, but he, he's just such a smart player out there, and he's setting up his teammates. And the, the fact that the team has so many more weapons, we've gone from a situation now where you've got very talented but basically rookies out there uh, having to play 15 to 20 minutes a game, to now you've got Kelly Oubre and Jalen McDaniels coming off the bench and taking those shots. It's a much different team right now uh, than we were looking at two weeks ago. Sam, looking at going back into the mellow well, if you will, he scored an assistant on 20 of Charlotte's first 22 fourth quarter points. And the thing that I noticed was, I feel like that since he's come back, he's getting to the point where the game looks like it comes easy to him. You see him chirping at guys more. He looks more confident. Do you feel like that a lot of guys start to really come into their own in their third or fourth season? Do you feel like Melo uh, is starting to get to that point where he's starting to be in total control of his game? Oh, he's a savant. He's a savant. I, I think there's going to be another level to it for him where he gets even better at, at picking up contact so he can get to the line. I mean, he didn't attempt a free throw the other day against Sacramento, by, by my recollection. To score that much without getting to the line, uh, you know, look at the stat lines for De'Aaron Fox. Look at what Trey Young does. They live at the line. LaMelo barely gets to the line. So that's another level that he can tap into. Um, and, and also, I think he's just so good at deciphering what he can take from the defense. So to your point, like if they're going to double team on him, he recognizes it and, and lights you up for seven or eight assists in a quarter. If you play him one-on-one, he's going to light you up and just you know knock down shots in your face or blow by you. Um, I think there's going to be at some point another level to his game, though, where he gets better at getting to the line or just saying, hey, I want to score today. I'm going to put 35-40 on you. Uh, we're in L.A. maybe you know, kind of in the way that Kobe Bryant was able to do, just rugged determination. If I want to score today, I'm going to score. Um, but I think LaMelo's game, uh, he's just at another level from everyone else in terms of recognized passing lanes and seeing passing lanes that don't exist for other players. And then Kelly Oubre, he scored 20-plus in nine straight games. What differences do you see in his game from this year to last year? And Do you think that he can keep up this consistency all year and not maybe falter down the stretch like he has in the past? Does he look like a new player to you? He, he does. He, he's someone who is, and particularly, you know, there's always silver linings to injuries. With all the injuries to all the players, he was asked to be in a more high-profile scoring role, and so he was taking it to the basket an awful lot more than he had previously as a member of the Charlotte Hornets, and so he's retained a lot of that within his game. When he started, I think he's got 10 straight games now, 20 or more points, uh, and, and only a minor dip when he's gone to the bench. He's still scoring 15, 16 points per game, so he's really filling it up at an elite level, I think, efficiency-wise. His numbers are slightly down, but not significantly enough to say that, you know, this shouldn't be sustainable for Kelly Oubre. And hopefully it is, because if he can maintain 20 points per game when he's coming off the bench, this team's going to be dangerous. 
Sam, what do you uh, think about Terry Rozier, the injury that he suffered that kept him out? It looks like he is going to miss tonight, if I'm not mistaken. I saw that tweet come through as well. How are they adjusting without Terry, and uh, what kind of info do you have on when he might be available? The last I heard, he was doubtful. It's a okay. hip contusion, so um, you know there, there's a possibility, from what I was last told, that he could play tonight. They're, they're off practicing now, so we might get a better idea um, after a shoot-around today on what his status might be. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's more than just the initial injury. Uh, my 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 guess is that you know he he's was the league leader in minutes per game going into the game where he got hurt, and I, I would have to assume that all of the minutes accumulated uh, and all the wear and tear, you know, it's probably added up. So hopefully, this is a quicker thing contusion. Generally speaking, uh, players come back from that quicker than sprains and strains. So we'll keep our fingers crossed there. But just another weapon for the Hornets. I mean. You know, we we think about what this team can be offensively, and we still really haven't seen a full game where everyone has played together. So uh, this team has been dangerous the last three or four games with Lamelo and Gordon and Kelly Oubre and P.J. Washington all out there together. And if you throw in a Terry Rozier to the mix, uh, they get that much more dynamic. It's Sam Farber joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Sam, last question before we get you out of here. I also wanted to ask you about Teo Maladon because I thought he was huge for this team, not only just because of all of the injuries they've suffered in the backcourt, but in this game against the Kings. Teo Maladon really helped close it out after LaMelo fouled out and, and something that he needs to continue to work on. But, man, he's been so good on that two-way contract. How important is he to this team right now? He's vital, and he and Dennis Smith Jr. were two kind of later finds for Mitch Kupchak and the front office that I thought were, were really exceptional pickups because they do have a lot of experience. You know, Teo, uh, less time in the league, but he's played over 100 games. I think he started somewhere around 50 NBA games, and that experience is showing through. Yeah, his counting stats are down because he's playing less minutes this season, but his efficiency is way, way up in his decision-making in those clutch moments, that's something that you just want to tap into. And uh, again, I, I go back to, I know the Hornets are in a hole right now in the standings. They're, I think, 14th in the Eastern Conference, roughly 10 games out of a top six position. But we just have not seen this team whole. And, and to think that you're going to have a team that has had someone who has started at point guard in the NBA for roughly the last two seasons, that he can be your third string point guard, that speaks to the depth of this franchise right now. So, I know it's going to be a challenge, but I'm excited to see how they tackle all these next coming games. And it's not even just what difference one win makes. It's the last four games. When you look at the numbers, you look at the statistics, everything is up and it's taking MVP efforts from MVP-like players to beat the Hornets. And if that's the kind of level of play you have to have to take out Charlotte for the next several months, hopefully with some good health on their side, I like the Hornets' chances, in particular tonight against the Clippers team that's been a little beaten up and battered themselves as of late. All right, that is the voice of the Charlotte Hornets, Sam Farber, on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can also hear him later on tonight when the Hornets tip off against the L.A. Clippers, the first of consecutive games they'll have against the L.A. teams. Sam, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks again. Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks to everyone staying up Thanks, late tonight to, to listen or watch the team, and I'm excited to hear what your guys' take is on Elmo on the Sesame uh, that's huge. <laughs> hey, hey, stick around. Hey, you keep it right here as well. 92.7 FM. We will give you all of the Elmo and Sesame Street takes. Thanks again to Sam Farber. Awesome. Helping us out talking, um, helping us talk about the Charlotte Hornets tonight against the Clippers. I think it goes back to what I was talking about asking Sam the first question I did, Wes. 
I thought that game against the Kings, the offense looked a lot better than it has. I think the basketball moved a lot better. I think, one, it's because LaMelo is going to improve the offense no matter what. He's shooting the absolute lights out of the basketball. Zero rust for him after the second injury. Took a little while for him to find his footing after the first injury where he came back and made that debut. Not not at all. And his second debut this season has been excellent, taking over in the fourth quarter. Defensively, it's still a point of progress that needs to happen for him. He's fouling way too much. That's happened his entire NBA career. He's doing the Ole thing where if somebody drives by him, then he slaps down. That was a, a crucial foul call against um, Lamella Ball on De'Aaron Fox at the end of that game. But that's nitpicking. I mean, when you're hitting that many threes, when you're taking over, you're hitting floaters, you're at, maybe not shooting as many foul shots, but Lamella was great. Gordon Hayward hit the biggest bucket of the game when he brought that back to a two possession contest, when the Kings were kind of coming back a little bit more. So Teo finishing, hitting some foul shots, not turning the ball over. I just thought offensively, this was a very good team last year, clearly under James Borrego. It looked more like that than I had ever seen from them this season. And that's what gives you a little hope. If you're pulling for this team to win games. And the thing was, too, in the last game, you got big contributions from your post guy, Mace and Nick Richards, combined for 29 points, and that kind of offset the abuse that they took from Sabonis uh, down in there who put up another big stat line against the Hornets. Uh, they've been Just struggling like with that. Yeah. yeah, they've been struggling with that uh, as of late. So, uh, But the Hornets, they want to clean it up, 28-23 rebounds for Sabonis. So you got big scoring there. Can you get that every night? That remains to be seen. But it's the Hornets are the type of team, especially uh, we talked about yesterday how they're up uh, nine nine places in the defensive rating in the last two games, and they're up 13 places in offensive rating uh, over the last two games. So they're improving, but just defensively, they're just the type of team. It's going to take a total team effort every night offensively for them to compete in a lot of these games, and you're going to have to have great shooting nights like they had against uh, the Kings where you're shooting 60% from two. Uh, we know they've struggled to shoot the ball this year. Yeah. So it's going to take a total team effort for this team every single night. Well, uh, LaMelo has has been incredible. Gordon Hayward is starting to look a little more comfortable. And you're right about the big man performance. This team is just not equipped to deal with those stars at the big man spot. Sabonis gave you a Nikola Jokic light type of right. stat line. Yeah. And he's a multi-time all-star. The night after Nikola Jokic gave you a Nikola Jokic type uh, of night. Will Chamberlain uh, oh, well, type yes. of night. That stat line was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, only I mean, three guys, 40, 25, and 10. Him, Elgin, Baylor, and Chamberlain. It, well, at, at the NBA level. What are you talking about? I did it in church league. <laughs> I fell for that so bad. Yeah, you did. I genuinely asked, what are you talking about? Like, he had an important point to make, and then he went to the <laughs> church league. When in doubt, Walker, always go church league. <laughs> now I've learned. I There are some things that I forgot during the COVID break that I had. But you're right. Yes, despite Fiddy putting up those types of numbers in right. Church League, Nicole Jokic doing that in the NBA, a historic stat line, Wilt Chamberlain crazy. It's crazy watching him. You've never seen anything like it. With is, is it because he looks so unathletic? Yes. yes. I'm just, that's just how it is. And the fact that he's very methodical, but he's so effective. Did you see him last night, the passes he was throwing last oh, it, night? The under-the-legs pass he threw? Is, oh. is there any debate? I mean, we get to see LaMelo. Every single Hornets game when he's healthy, yeah. make ridiculous passes. LaMelo is legitimately one of the top passers in the league. There's no doubt. I just don't think there's anybody better than Jokic. No, I don't think so. There's either. not a better passer in the league. I mean, there are consistently 
I still give LeBron probably right up there with him. But he's crazy. I think the touch on <laughs> I love sorry I saw that yeah there it is. I give credit I where it's due. No, and I appreciate that. Um, I yeah, Jokic is just. The touch, th- there was a pass from the top of the key in this most recent game where I thought there's there's no way that guy's open. And he hits somebody just over the top, just dropping it in a bucket, easy layup for like maybe Aaron Gordon, who was posting up, and it was a ridiculous angle. Jokic might be the best passer in the league. Did you have something to say, Fiddy? Did you want to get more Jokic stats in there, LeBron hatred or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, no, I mean, I was just thinking about like, cause, I mean, like I watched a game the other night and I was just sitting there completely mesmerized that this dude who was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. Mm-hmm. It it's, is now, so you know, a back-to-back two-time MVP and there's nothing there's nothing flashy about him. He's just a really good basketball player and there's really no way to to to, to guard him. The, the passes are flashy. Yeah. And some of the shots it's funny because they're flashy, but not in a I'm going to go dunk on you type of way. They're just, goodness gracious, that guy was all in your grill. You're hitting Dirk Nowitzki fadeaways without that type of lean back. And it's just a moon ball that hits nothing but net going in. Why is he shooting 70% everywhere he shoots? As a tall white guy, did you ever try to perfect the Dirk fadeaway? Did I try? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Oh. I did perfect the baseline fadeaway. <laughs> yeah, and I had sex last night. I had the <laughs> <laughs> one of those was true. One of those was not. I'll let the audience figure out what was true and what wasn't. It's time now to go to the Fitty Flash. Maybe you have a little bit more news than I thought. Is that true? Did you want to talk about last night a little bit more so? No, I really don't have anything to talk about when it came <laughs> okay. to last night. I did uh, want to go back to Sunday for you. Okay. Because you opened up talking with Panthers and Hornets takes. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the World Cup final on oh, Sunday? Oh, I did. Oh, yeah, I did. Absolutely. What? Okay, because like I, I said it on Monday. The last hour or so of the match, so from like the first France goal all the way through PKs, was just me in my rooms yelling, holy bleep, because mm-hmm. I didn't really know how else to, to respond to what was going on. Your thoughts, takeaways from an epic World Cup final. If you are not a soccer fan, that is a game to go win a whole lot of people over because of how exciting it is. And oftentimes the argument against soccer is I can't wait to watch 90 minutes of action for it to be tied 0 to 0. I understand it's a pretty strong defense, but the zeros that are posted with some of the shots that just end up missing a little wide right, wide left, a little bit more towards the top, those are still exciting. Like it's still exciting sports action when you even see some of those misses towards the goal. And then when you get the goal, it reminds you, I was a huge FIFA player at the end of high school, like transitioning into college. There's nothing more satisfying than scoring a goal in FIFA because it's so damn hard to come by. And that's exactly how it is in real time soccer, watching these guys go at it to see the GOATs, to see the better players in all of the field make it to the World Cup final and then have a duel like they did, each coming up with big moments. Yeah, I mean, it was it was sports at its finest, no matter what sport is your favorite. I have some more updates around Lionel Messi. Uh, first off, the Argentine, the Argentine government is exploring putting his face on their money over there <laughs> as a way to pay tribute okay. to him, bringing them their first wow. World Cup title since 1986. And Wes, Willie was kind of teasing yesterday that if Messi were to join MLS, he would be in Charlotte for the final game of the regular season in 2023. 
If we're gonna if we're gonna see him in MLS, we gotta wait till at least 2025 because he signed a deal to stay with PSG all the way through 2024. That's if his career lasts that long too, right? Isn't there a little bit of worry? He's only 35, so he still maybe has three years of you know elite level football. He did say though that this was his last right. World Cup. So we might just do the whole Thierry Henry, David Beckham thing. Right. Your twilight years in the MLS. Hopefully we can get that just from fill seats. You're really just a seat filler. I, I'll, I'll fill in the seat right now. I'll go ahead and front some money to go see Lionel Messi in 2025 if it's available. I, yeah. I do think, you know, we're talking about a show that goes out and does things. We've got to go to an FC match in the supporter section. That way we could we could, we could get to experience a beer shower. Uh, I got I got my scarf ready, baby. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> oh, you look like a scarf guy. I mean, I'm not normally. But They're quite I, helpful in the cold. When in Rome, I'm going to do how the Romans do. And I'm going to wear the scarves and go wear it out at Bank of America Stadium. It makes sense, Fiddy. Don't, don't clown me. It's 704-570-9610. Feel free to share your thoughts on the Garage Door Guru text line. Plenty more to come on Wesson Walker. waiting to turn on the mic but fitty was going off on something over there do i even want to get your take on this or is it something that's not really for the airwaves so coco coco who is helping out by the way we appreciate our buddy coco it's the first time i met him and i appreciate him already he was shaking his head no i don't want your take to make it to the air is that true i i can't say what i was saying on the air off the air not surprised because i was using you know words that you can't use on the radio but it applies to this very next segment. It was it's the way Mac Brown handled schools coming after his quarterback, getting up there and whining like a crybaby ass. All right. It just really just really set me off. Oh, okay. Do you want the foul line? I can I can <laughs> I can blow the whistle again. Do you want to now, bring it out again? No, I feel like I'm good right now. Okay. Until we hear the sound. Like if, if you cue the sound, we may have to go back because it's just gonna really tick me off. I mean, all right. I'm kind of interested in it though. 704-570-9610. Don't forget the Twitter. That oh, I always forget how it's Wes and Walker. I know how to say it. <laughs> I do always forget how to spell it though. How can you W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R, man? We're trying to get to five hundred followers by the end of the week a thousand by the end of next week man we might send you something i was gonna say has the, has the prize changed since i've been out i just might send somebody something i was thinking about that this morning okay I just might okay by my effects it used to be money it used to be some prizes yeah I yeah yeah was... I, I just might okay. man all right so but you got to get us there by hitting the follow button out there and we'll see it's been working i think we're close to 200 right now yeah we got to get it up though come on queen all right City, get there us you go. y'all can get us to a thousand by the end of the week a 910 number wrote in how about we were talking about north carolina larry fedora actually it's what led to the first foul line segment it was larry fedora discussing how happy he was when he landed Quinshaw Davis, somebody wrote in that he works with Quinshaw Davis's mother-in-law. So a little bit of a connection there. It's kind of crazy, the talented receivers that have come through Chapel Hill, where they're always like, they're really good in college. And then they're either playing for an NFL team, they're working out for an NFL team. They're on the they're on the practice squad. Bug Howard, like, what are some great North Carolina recent receiver names? Because Quinshaw Davis is good. Yeah, you had Bug Howard. You had Ryan Switzer, who was, who was drafted, 
And then as a rookie, decided to complain about his role, which led to him getting Who was cut. this, Switzer? Yeah, yeah, and then wonders why like now he's a flame out and, and it never became anything. Um, Hakeem Nix. Mac Hollins is playing. Hakeem yeah. Nix is like an all-timer. Yeah. Like, if we go deep, Mac Hollins is playing well, though. He's yeah, actually, yeah, Greg Little. He played for the Browns for a little bit. I remember. Yeah, he was a decent receiver. Do you remember? I remember when Kirk Herbstreet. Tried to convince the world, and then I I got real hype that Brandon Tate was an absolute real Heisman candidate at the beginning of the season. When he told me that, I was so hype. I was like, "Yep, let's go, baby, Brandon Tate." And then it didn't work out. I won the Heisman with him, I think, in NCAA seven. You won that with Brandon Tate, dude. I won it with everybody because when you're winning the Heisman with Joe Daly as your quarterback, that's how I knew I was too damn good at gaming. Because Joe Daly in real life. Sucked. He was bad. Do you remember the time that they actually so they switched him to wide receiver and then they ran a wide receiver pass and then Joe Daly with that pass in Chapel Hill, yep, threw an interception like the lone time that he had a chance to throw it again. I don't know if you remember that play, Fitty, but yes, that is one. Um, who are some other ones that we have? Oh, Brooks Foster. That's another one. Yeah, he was a big time name. And I, I don't- think set the comp, not the record, but when he came out had the most bench press reps of any other wide receiver. Strength, Hulk, Brooks Foster. It's nice going down memory lane for North Carolina wide receivers. Um, Yeah, a couple of other ones real quickly. I did want to ask this because as soon as I told Fiddy and Wes in the group chat that I was going to be coming back, that I tested negative and the three kings were going to get back together, all he did was send a big bird Jeff. That's all he said. And sometimes Fiddy will use that as my nickname. I have quite a few. Don't know if anything is going to stick, but Big Bird has seemed to be one that is often in the rotation. So as soon as he sent that, I sent back, you got to be Oscar the Grouch because all your takes are trash. And Fiddy felt some type of way because I think he knows it was good. And then he just gave me the (laughs) eye roll emoji. The thing is, we do need to figure out a Sesame Street character for Wes. I don't know which one. I'll be Big Bird. That's fine. It fits. I'm not I'm not going to deny that. You could be Oscar the Grouch, even if you don't want to admit to your takes being trash, you are oftentimes a grouch. Mm-hmm. So you can be Oscar the Grouch. Wes, is there somebody you want to be, or do we need to send this to the text line to see what Sesame Street character you would be? Yeah, I'm looking right now and um You're just you have such a personality, I feel like the cookie monster fits for some reason. <laughs> I mean, I don't it's I just do like cookies. I mean <laughs> that's there you go. What kind? Yeah, what is your favorite cookie? Chocolate chip, just like the Cookie Monster. Over Oreos? But cho- Cookie Monster's ugly. I don't want to be an ugly. Well, they're. Street I mean, kid. who's who is a handsome? Big Bird is a cute uh, Sesame Street huh? character. I appreciate yeah, it, Wes. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, they had some. What about Snuffleupagus? Do you That's want to how be- I am right now with these allergies. Yeah, I'm Snuffleupagus. I don't. I don't even know how many can we name. Maybe Count Dracula if you want to be I, him. I'll take Count Dracula. Or no, what is, what is that? That's I'm pretty name, good right? at math. There you go. <laughs> Count Von Count. That's it. There you go. You yeah. can be that. Yeah. Feel free to write in. So People are saying Cookie Monster. They feel it. I'm just telling you. Like, that's what I thought. But they probably like because I said it, he's ugly. So they definitely want me to keep Oh, what that. about Gonzo? Gonzo is a pretty dope character. I like Gonzo. Oh, the jokester? Well, yeah. And he, well, yes. Like, he's got the curly nose. The blue guy, right? That's Gonzo, isn't it? Yeah, Coco is backing me up here. And, 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 and Gonzo's a like, pretty badass name. I love the name Gonzo. I mean, Wes, you don't have to look like the Muppet. We'd all be screwed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yours is pretty identical. Like, you look you look like Big Bird. I'm, for me, it's more my personality where I'm just usually a moody bastard. And then, I mean, for yeah. Wes... 
Yeah, like, like Wes isn't ugly, so he can't be an ugly character. But I mean, like Thank Gonzo you, Bryant. Oh no, we got it. We got it though. Well, well, the animal. The animal is the best one. Plus, it's a good name. I mean, oh, yeah, I like not, that. He is wild. But he's That's not, what I call my son. But yeah, we like that. You but, call your son Animal? Yeah, Bryce acts just like Animal. That commercial <laughs> they had with the Geico when they said uh, we got an animal in our basement. Uh-huh. That's my son all day. Oh, just, dude, I love that commercial. Man. Yeah, man. It's very good. That's Bryce. What's early. the best Geico commercial? Oh, Maxwell the pig was really good. Maxwell the pig is great with the what I don't the little spinny thing out of the window. Or are you going with something else? Oh yeah, the one when he was out of the window was was pretty was pretty good clutch. The one mine's a little underrated. I loved the different the squirrels that would force you to crash and then they would dap each other up after the crash would happen. It's nuts. Do you remember that? It was a nuts commercial. <laughs> it was fantastic. That was my favorite Geico commercial. And then I feel like fanatics. Use the caveman bit to death because you know beating Duke so easy a caveman to do it. Do you remember those T-shirts? I that would be. That. I thought those were kind of lame though. Like the T-shirts were lame, no matter what college you were hating on. The commercials were fine, but the T-shirts were kind of lame. And that's my take on the Geico commercials and T-shirts. And we'll move on. I promise. <laughs> Jake is telling me to talk about the Panthers. We will do so on the other side. We still have one more hour to go. I have a lot of Charlotte Hornets takes to get off my chest, chest too. Like I want to talk a little bit more about that, especially with Bobby Marks' comments. So we'll get to all of that in the last hour at Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ.